you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, and that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. Hey, everybody. It is Monday, August 8th, 2022. Welcome to the NFL Fantasy Football Show, where we're just putting good reps on tape. It's me, your man, MG Marcus Grant, Michael F. Florio here to my left. We have producer Randy. We got a whole crew of specialists. I should probably let you know. It's a Monday, and we are here with you. Normally, it's just been Wednesdays, but uh, now that we are uh, approaching the start of an actual football season, we're back to two days a week. So Mondays and Wednesdays, you can find us. Uh, we'll also be doing streaming shows as well, so you can see our happy, pretty, shiny faces at some point in the very near future. But uh, for now, we're just going to be slumming it in our T-shirts and uh, Pumas. Uh, can I say that? I just did. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, Florio, we actually had we had a football-ish game on last week, so it's back now. It, it's back, and this week we get a full slate of football games, so like we're really back now. We are really back now, so uh, certainly later in the week we may kind of look into some of those games, uh, but we got plenty to do. We are several weeks out from the start of the regular season, but it felt like this was a good time for us to do our division previews. So on each show, we will look at the four teams in each of the eight NFL divisions. Today, we'll start it off with the AFC East. But before we jump into that, there are some news headlines worth talking about. The first one coming out of Cleveland, 
Uh, Kareem Hunt says he wants to be traded. The Browns are like, that's cool. We're not doing it. So as a, as a good friend of mine said to me many, many years ago, it's good to want things. Uh, but Kareem says he wants out. Um, this is a backfield that the last couple of years we've seen it split between Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. We've seen Dearness Johnson step in there and get some work too at times. It's a muddled situation. For now, it looks like Hunt is staying in Cleveland. But when it comes to his ADP and drafting him, is this something we should be paying attention to? Yeah, I 100% think so, because right now, I think his ADP is is a good spot for what his like floor and ceiling kind of are with the Browns, because we know with Cleveland that Nick Chubb is going to get all the early downs work. Dearness Johnson is a potential threat to steal some work there as well. But if they were to trade him, and let's say a team that needs a running back like the Bills or the Eagles or someone like that were to go out and say like, hey, we could use Kareem Hunt services on our team. Then I think his ceiling shoots up to potentially an RB1. So uh, definitely something to consider here. And this reminds me a lot of Baker Mayfield, right? Like when Baker was like, <laughs> I want out, they were like, cool, we're not going to trade you. And then eventually <laughs> did. So this seems like maybe the Browns are trying to keep uh, Hunt's value high. Could be. Uh, I mean, let's keep in mind, though, the last couple of seasons, two of the last three seasons, he has not played full years. Last year was because of injury. Two years ago, when he first got to Cleveland, it was a suspension that kept him out for half the season. But when he is healthy, when he is on the field, we have seen that he can be an RB1. Although it's funny when you look at it, he hasn't really come close to what that rookie season was in Kansas City. Um, there are a variety of reasons for this. But the fact is, he just has not produced anything close to that. But we know what he can be. So speaking of what he can be. What do you have as his ceiling for this year? Is he an RB2? Where, where do you have him slotted? Right now, if he stays with the Browns, I have him ranked as an RB3 because I think most weeks that's what he'll be. He'll be very similar, I think, to like a Tony Pollard who has more explosiveness and could have a big week here and there. But because there's going to be another running back that gets the bulk of the touches, he's going to be limited a lot of those games. But if he gets set free and goes somewhere else other than Cleveland where he's not behind a guy who's going to get all of the work like a Nick Chubb, then I think his upside goes up tremendously. And I also think we should be drafting Dearness Johnson right now because it costs nothing but a like a late, late round pick to get him. I think that's that's probably the more astute point, right, is that you know all this talk of Chubb and Hunt, uh, Dearness Johnson's just sitting there. He's basically free in drafts right now, so he's probably worth uh, picking on right now. I, I will say this for Hunt, and you and I talked with Matt Donnelly last week uh, about the Brown situation. We talked about it in terms of, of Deshaun Watson and, and what this means for him, but knowing that at least for the first six weeks of the season, Deshaun Watson's not going to be there, you know, we, we hit on the fact that Kareem Hunt might end up getting more targets in the short term with Jacoby Brissett there. So if he does stay in Cleveland, uh, maybe at least in the short term, he's got a little extra value perhaps? Yeah, and, and I know when Matt brought up last week, I think he brought up a genius point. He was like, you can, everyone is discounting the Browns running backs for the whole year because of what we expect to happen with Deshaun Watson when he's active. You could draft them, use them the first month or so, and then sell high and try to get even more than you drafted them for. And then you're like, all right, I don't got to worry what this offense looks like once Deshaun is back. Yeah, so I think that's something definitely to keep in mind uh, as we get closer to the start of the season. Uh, over to Las Vegas. The Raiders played in Ohio in the uh, Hall of Fame game last week against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And what caught a lot of people's attention was the fact that Josh Jacobs 
got a lot of work early in that game. Seven touches, I think he played multiple series, was very much involved in the early part of the offense for the Raiders. And that got people wondering, are they trying to showcase him to move him? Uh, the Raiders say they don't want to trade Josh Jacobs. And I read that headline, and the first thing that popped into my head was, the Raiders, we don't want to trade Josh Jacobs t-shirt has people asking a lot of questions already answered by their t-shirt. Um, maybe they don't really want to trade him, but should we read something into the fact that he got so much work in the Hall of Fame game? I think so. Like I, I tweeted out, because first of all, the Raiders didn't come out with like an inactive. So when that game started, I was like, all right, we're not going to see any of their starters. And then I was like, wait. That, that's Josh Jacobs. <laughs> right. And then the second drive, I was like, wait, that is still Josh Jacobs out there. Like, what are we doing here? Um, they declined his fifth year option. To me, this is a new GM, new head coach. They owe nothing to Josh Jacobs. I think that he will still be their lead back this year. But to me, the fact that they used him, Amir Abdullah, Zamir White, Kenyon Drake, it seems like a team searching for a starting running back. So I, I don't like Josh taking Josh Jacobs, even with his ADP being like a low end RB2. I'm like the, the complete bottom could come out this year. If they don't trade him, he could just be in a full out committee and that's going to be gross for fans. That's the part that scares me, right? Because going into that game, we, we mentioned the name Zamir White. It's just a guy to kind of keep an eye on just to see what, what his situation was going to be. Um, they did work him in, uh, but you're right. They used a whole lot of guys in that offense. One, one of the things that was sort of weird is that uh, the Raiders actually had like Derek Carr and Devontae Adams like in uniform. Neither of them played, but they were both in uniform. It, it's it's like a weird Patriot mind trick right. thing, I think. Like, they didn't release an inactive. It's like, it, it's, it's the Hall of Fame game. game. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> no one no one cares. No one's, like, you know, the Jaguars didn't play around. Like, Trevor Lawrence was, you know, in civilian clothes. Travis Etienne was, you know, they wore the, it's like, they look like they look like high school football players like on a Friday pep rally, right? They had like jeans and their jerseys on. They're the varsity players showing up to watch like the JV the JVs, game. right? Yeah. Like before they get in the uniform and everything, right? But the Raiders actually had all their guys in uniform. Derek Carr was like having warm up tosses and stuff, and I'm like, they're not really gonna have him play and with bad weather too. Like, come on, we know they weren't playing. They weren't gonna play. But Josh Jacobs really has become, I think, a really worrisome prospect right now because as you mentioned he got a lot of work in the hall of fame game they're going to work a lot of guys in you know Kenyon drake coming back from injury should have a decent role zamir white uh, i think has some potential so this this really could be a timeshare which which means what you feel comfortable drafting him as an rb3 now yeah i i think there would there's eventually a sweet spot for him and i think the rb3 range is that but right now he's still going as an rb2 and to me there's just too much Volatility and my favorite thing though was um, the the Josh Jacobs supporters doing their mental gymnastics on Twitter that were like, <laughs> "Well, this is just because he missed practice early in training camp," and it's like, "No, that's that's not what this is." <laughs> yeah, this is this really is a head coach trying to figure out what they want to do with that backfield. Um, I suspect when Week One hits, Josh Jacobs will be the RB one, but how much work he gets, I think, remains to be seen. I, I think an underrated part of this Raiders offense is that they continue to bring in pass-catching running backs. Mm -hmm. And last year, what elevated Jacobs was that he had a career high in targets and receptions. That, to me, seems like a product of the Raiders just having no one besides Hunter Renfro to throw the ball to. Um, but if they have other running backs taking those targets away, they can get really ugly for Josh Jacobs. That really does put the onus on him to score touchdowns, and I don't know that he can score enough touchdowns to sort of make up the difference from not, not catching the football. All right, that gets us to our AFC preview. Uh, kind of went through the four teams in order of their finish from last season, which means 
your beloved Buffalo Bills to uh. lead this thing off. I, I see the smile on your face. <laughs> uh, first, I got to ask you because you know a lot of folks are are saying the Bills are a favorite to get to maybe win the Super Bowl. Um, how do you feel about? This? Does that make you nervous? Um, it makes me cautiously optimistic because. In my life, for most seasons, it's like, hey, if the Bills win nine games this year, like that is a good year. We're building something. And now to, to really be most people's Super Bowl favorites, but that's also a position where it's like, we either win the Super Bowl or everyone's going to be let down. <laughs> I don't care though. I'm excited because in one month from right now, Josh Allen and the Rams kick <laughs> off right there. I can't wait. Right across the street. We, we are sitting, by the way, we're sitting in our brand new fantasy lounge. When you see our streaming show, you'll see our new set. Uh, but yes, I can look to my right here and I can see SoFi Stadium through the blinds. And that is where they will be uh, on September 8th. Which, by the way, uh, our producer Randy, said, he texted us from a sports bar in Denver. Uh, a Bill sports bar that has a table and the sign says, do not break until the Super Bowl. My, my only response was, I hope they get to go through that table this year. Like, <laughs> I still want, and whenever I'm done with this whole fantasy thing, I want to get the line on concessions for plastic folding tables in the uh, the Buffalo greater they, metro. They, their metro fans area. are so crazy that they will pack them and check them through like security in the airports <laughs> and then they routinely sell out at hardware stores that wherever the bills are on the road see that's what like, i want to do i'm going to go to a hardware store when the bills come to town <laughs> i'm just going to set up in the sofi parking lot selling white plastic folding tables oh once they start tailgating you would make a killing I would make so much i'm going to like <laughs> rent a truck and just sit out there and sell plastic tables for bills fans this is how i'm going to make my millions uh anyway as for the actual football part of it the bills last year 11 and 6 they win the AFC East, obviously lose that heartbreaker in the playoffs to the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, but I guess the silver lining is they got the NFL to change the overtime rules. So uh, if there's a positive, it's that. Uh, look at their leaders from last year. Passing leader, no surprise, Josh Allen, 4,407 yards, 36 touchdowns, 15 interceptions. He was the QB1. Uh, Devin Singletary, your rushing leader, 870 yards on the ground, seven rushing touchdowns, the RB18. And Stephon Diggs, 103 receptions. 1,225 yards, 10 receiving touchdowns. Uh, first double-digit touchdown season of his career, uh, he's a wide receiver seven. So looking at this team, Josh Allen has been the QB1 in back-to-back -back seasons. Uh, it has not happened three years in a row since Brett Favre did it in the mid-90s. In fact, 25 years ago, I think 1997 was the last time Brett Favre finishes the QB1, or at least for three straight years. Uh, can Josh Allen do it for a third straight year? And if so, why or maybe why not? Uh, can he? Yes. Uh, will he? It, it, we'll see. But I, I think <laughs> I, I say it all the time. I, I think of all the high-end quarterbacks, Josh Allen is the safest bet to finish as the QB1 because the quarterbacks who put up his passing production is a very short list. Uh, Mahomes, Herbert, Brady, let's say, they don't match his rushing numbers. And then the quarterbacks who match his rushing numbers or even exceed him, the Jalen Hurts, Kyler Murray's, uh, Lamar Jackson's, they don't put up the passing numbers that a Josh Allen does. So you kind of get the best of both worlds with Josh Allen. That's why he's my unquestioned QB1 this year. But the biggest concern I have for him is we've heard some t chatter coming out of Buffalo about him being more selective when he runs. They say they're never going to take away uh, his ability to run and just tell him, like, we want you to purely be a pocket passer. But if they tell him to get more selective and maybe they have a few less design runs, that could hurt him and open up the path for someone else taking that QB1. I'm gonna stake, I'm gonna stake my flag here and say that he will be the QB1 yeah. for the third straight year. I'm gonna plant the flag and say that it happens for the reasons that you, you talked about though, right? Because the quarterbacks who run 
uh, you know, the, the guys you listed, they don't necessarily have, I think, the, the pass-catching weapons around him that Josh Allen does. Um, the guys who match up to him as a pocket passer, say a Patrick Mahomes, um, you know, Mahomes isn't going to run the same way that Josh Allen is. And even if he runs a little bit less, I still imagine he's going to be the guy near the goal line. When they get you know, around the, the three-yard line, they have him in that shotgun or that pistol. I think he's the guy who more often than that is going to take it in. So as long as he still has that rushing touchdown upside, I think he's got the chance to be the QB1. I know we're going to talk about their running backs a little bit more, but the fact that they brought in James Cook and Duke Johnson, like those are pass catching specialists. They did not bring in like a guy who they're like, all right, we don't want Josh Allen to run it right. in near the goal line. Like it's going to be Devin Singletary or Josh Allen, I think, getting those goal line carries. Well, speaking of Devin Singletary, obviously was great at the end of last season. Uh, some of that had to do with Zach Moss kind of becoming persona non grata in the offense. Uh, you know, you, you take whatever you got to work with. You mentioned James Cook is there. You mentioned Duke Johnson is now there. Can Singletary pick up where he left off last year? I easily think he can. He is my highest ranked Bills running back. But with that being said, like he's outside my top 24 because I do have concerns. One, over how much they're going to run. This has just been a team that's been very pass happy in recent years. But I also think drafting James Cook, signing Duke Johnson. And before that, they were trying to get J.D. McKissick. So to me, that tells me that they want to get the running back more involved in the passing game. And what I think we could see is instead of them, you know, saying we need more balance, let's run the ball more. They could just be like, hey, we need more balance. Let's dump the ball off five times a game to a James Cook. And that's an extension of the run game that actually helps Josh Allen. That helps Josh Allen, definitely. I worry, though, that does take away from Singletary a little bit. I think I think he's sort of... uh, Last year, he had a career-high 40 catches. It's not a huge number. I get it, but it it was more than he's ever had. I don't think he gets to that number this year because Cook is there, because they can use Duke Johnson there. Um, And if they decide, you know, that they're not going to run as much with the quarterback and they just let him throw short passes, I do worry that Singletary goes back to being, you know, the guy who needs three forms of ID to get into the end zone again. (laughs) So I like him. I've always been a Devin Singletary fan. I just worry that he's not going to get the sort of touches that we need him to get to be as successful as he was last year. Uh, all right, so now the question I got, and we'll do this for all four teams today, we'll do this for all 32 teams, but who is the first player drafted from this team, who's a sleeper you like from this team, and maybe who's a guy that you are avoiding from this team? Uh, Stefan Diggs, I think, should unquestionably be the first player drafted. He was, last year was a down year for Stefan Diggs, and he was a top seven fantasy wide receiver. Um, but why I, I'm very optimistic about him is he led the league in end zone targets by far. Mm-hmm. Like, it was the most any player had since DeAndre Hopkins in 2017. So we're going five, six years back now at this point. But his catch rate was the lowest, and just in general, was the lowest it's been since his rookie season. So I'm like, all right, if the volume stays the same, and I don't see why it wouldn't, uh, and then he just gets, starts catching the ball more because the year before that, his catch rate was like 15% higher. I, I just think last year was an anomaly. Uh, I, I think that he can have a career year potentially. Uh, for the sleeper, he's not so much a sleeper anymore. He's getting a lot of hype, but I think Isaiah McKenzie is, is a really good uh, sleeper there because Every report says that he is the leading slot guy right now, and we know that Josh Allen likes to target the slot receivers. Cole Beasley would get over 100 targets every year in that role, uh, and McKenzie's way more explosive. And then player to avoid, I'm avoiding Dawson Knox in a lot Mm. of my drafts because Mm. Dawson Knox last year finished with like uh, less than 600 yards, but he had double-digit touchdowns, I believe. When you're that touchdown dependent, it seems like a recipe for disaster, especially since I think Gabriel Davis, the Bills' new number two wide receiver, is a better red zone threat than anyone they had in that role last year. All right. 
Uh, well, I'm with you. Stefan Diggs, easily the first guy off the board for this team. I don't think there's any question about that. He's probably going to be a first-round pick in a lot of leagues, so he's, he's going to be gone first. Sleeper is kind of hard to pick for me. I, I guess James Cook, he's getting a lot of buzz. Like I, I think it's hard to peg a sleeper because everybody's talking about this Bills offense. But I do think because of what he potentially offers and the fact that he can be a guy who can catch the football a lot, uh, and we know how valuable those targets are. I think he has some kind of sleeper potential as a guy you get later in drafts. So my guy to avoid, and this is not necessarily about avoiding him, but sort of avoiding at cost, is kind of Gabe Davis. And I think because the hype train on him has been rolling for a while yeah. now, um, I think it's kind of gotten a little bit out of control. I think he has a good year. Uh, I don't think we can you know, read into a, what, a three-touchdown game in the playoffs and like try to extrapolate that over a full season. I also look like... I look, he's coming off the board around like where Allen Robinson is. And I've been, I've been on record all year saying Allen Robinson's going way too low. I think so, um, too. So I, I like Gabe Davis. I just don't like him where I have to draft him. I, it's, I want to draft more Gabe Davis, but every <laughs> time he's like his ADP is there, I'm like, no, there's other players. I, like, right. I'd rather have – I take Allen Robinson every time. Over. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, uh, so there it is. Those are the Buffalo Bills. Let's take a quick break. We will come back, and we will get you the rest of our AFC East preview on the NFL Fantasy Football Show. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. Like that, see that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what so. I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb. Tuning out all the constant. Just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. 
Real Steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb. Tuning out all the constant. Just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.
All right, continuing our AFC East preview. And uh, we got the New England Patriots up next. They were 10 and 7, made the playoffs in 2021. We've got Sam here uh, watching the show right now. He's a Patriots fan. He warned us that we couldn't say anything bad about the Patriots. I don't know what he's actually going to do to us if we say something bad about the Patriots, but he threw out some blanket statement that we can't the, say anything bad. The Bills bad. did something bad to them in the playoffs last year. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> that was pretty ugly. Uh, you know, that's what, happens. that's what happens when Mac Jones, I guess, has to throw more than three passes in a game? I don't know. Uh, anyway, like I said, the Bills, or the Patriots rather, 10 and 7, made the playoffs. Uh, their leaders, Mac Jones, the passing leader, uh, 3,800 yards, 22 touchdowns. 13 interceptions, he was the QB, uh, not the QB1, uh, QB18, I believe is what he was this past year. Uh, rushing, Damian Harris, 929 yards, 15 rushing touchdowns, the RB14, uh, Jacoby Myers, your receiving leader, uh, 866 yards, two receiving touchdowns, including his first career receiving touchdown this year. It finally happened. Congratulations. Uh, he was a wide receiver, 29. So... When we look at this team, there's been a lot of talk of Mac Jones. There's been videos of him like bulked up. He's BSOHL, best shape of his life. Uh, he's apparently, you know, looking better, looking smarter in practice, despite the fact that they've got a defensive guy calling the plays now in New England. Yeah. Um, so hype train or smoke screen? Mac Jones is going to make the leap in year two. Yeah, I think this is a smoke screen. Uh, <laughs> I, I think maybe it's, it, I, I don't know. I. Mac Jones is the hardest player for me to get excited for because I'm like, if everything goes right and he has a great year, he's going to be, what, the QB 16 in fantasy <laughs> football? Like, it's just the way the Patriots offense was built when they had a legit good offensive play caller. Now, like you said, they have a defensive guy trying to do it for the first time. This feels a lot like, to me, like Bill Belichick is like, I want to prove that I can do this without anyone, mm -hmm. and I don't think it's going to work out. I think that's exactly what this is, the whole Matt Patricia thing. It's, it's Belichick trying to again prove to everybody that he's smarter than the whole world. I don't know, maybe this is, maybe his ego was bruised watching Tom Brady go to so. go to Tampa, like win a Super Bowl, be really competitive. So now Belichick has to prove that he can bounce back and do that too. Yeah, I think, I think Mac Jones, of all the quarterbacks who were drafted last year, I think he's the one who's sort of closest to his ceiling. I agree. And I think, as the kids say, he's mid. I think that's sort of it, right? Like, I think he's just mid. And, like, I don't think it's terrible, right? Like, I think, you know, you're not going to win a Super Bowl because of him, right? He's not going to sink the ship. I think that's sort of the best thing you can say about Mac Jones. Yeah. Also, the fact that he doesn't have a ton around him in terms of pass catchers. I mean, two years ago, this was easily the worst receiving core in the league. Um, they've improved slightly over the last couple of years. Yeah. But it's still not great. And so... Uh, I think it's fun to talk about Mac Jones being all bulked up because before, like when he was drafted, he looked like an insurance salesman, and now he looks, <laughs> you know, like a like a guy who does CrossFit on weekends. So I guess that's an upgrade. Um, but I think in terms of fantasy, like I I just don't see a major leap. Coming yeah, he doesn't run, and and like they're still paying for the sins of overpaying every free agent that they paid last year <laughs> because like they got no, like they literally they traded for Devontae Parker, mm -hmm. and that's it. That was the only offensive upgrade. Where like you said, every other young quarter. Back, their teams are trying to surround them with playmakers. Except the except the Bears, they're not they're not helping oh, Justin yeah. Fields at all. That one. Sorry, Hyphen. <laughs> um, so you mentioned Devontae Parker coming in from Miami to New England. He's another guy who the drumbeat has kind of been slowly building for him across fantasy Twitter. Uh, and I know that you know take that with a grain of salt because over the course of the summer, every player gets some sort of drumbeat from fantasy Twitter. But Devontae Parker starting to get some love. 
is this a real thing that we should really buy into, or are we just are we just trying to make fetch happen in New England? I I think we're trying to make fetch happen, and it, I mean it's never going to happen. We know that, but um, <laughs> I to me I I see the hype in the sense of like he could be their best downfield threat, he could be their best red zone threat. But to me, what it feels like. You're going to draft Devontae Parker late in your draft as your bench guy. Week one's going to happen. You're going to be like, who do I drop to pick up the big waiver claim? I'm going to drop Devontae Parker. So, like, <laughs> uh, that to me, see, he seems to got like a guy that'll bounce around the waiver wire a lot. It just, it feels like drafting Devontae Parker or really any Patriots wide receiver, they're going to be those guys who are maybe, even if you don't drop them, they're going to be those guys who they're not going to give you enough weekly that you feel great about starting them. But they'll give you just enough that you're scared to drop them and put them on the yep. waiver wire. I, I tweeted the other day. I was like, it costs nothing more than like a bench pick to get literally any of their receivers or Mac, like any piece of this passing offense, the, the tight ends, any of them. You could get as a reserve player, and I have no interest in doing that. Yeah, it's just there's just there's not a lot there to get excited about in this offense. And so I appreciate the folks who are trying to make Devontae Parker like build him up. Um but I just don't see it happening. Even besides that, he had the one really nice year in Miami that we waited years for to happen. Outside of that, I don't think he's ever had 800 yards in a season. I don't think he's had more than like 63 catches in a season besides that one year. He's never had more than four touchdowns. Everything about him has just been mediocre. Yeah, we're, we're really going off of that. And it wasn't even like a full year. It was like a 10-game <laughs> stretch or something like that. Like we're going off of that and his draft profile, which at this point, it's like they're not the same. He's not the same guy he was seven years ago. Right. Like, I mean, what are we doing? None of us are at this point. So, uh, All right. So then let's get to it. First player drafted, uh, a sleeper, and a player to avoid in New England. This is how gross it is in New England. I think the first player drafted should be Damian Harris, yep. and he's an RB3. Yeah. Like, he goes in like the seventh or eighth round sometimes. So uh, I, I think him... And, uh, and then a sleeper would be the other player that I'm interested in this offense, which is Ramondre Stevenson. Mm-hmm. Uh, both of them go kind of similar in drafts. I think Damian Harris will be the RB1. Um, but I think if he either, you know, fumbles, that's a, a terrible case there, <laughs> or gets hurt, misses time for anything like that, Ramondre Stevenson, I think, has an even higher ceiling because he can actually catch passes, whereas Damian Harris struggles with that. Uh, and player to avoid, the entire passing offense. Like, I, I don't want any of their receivers, Mac Jones. Uh, if I had to say one, I guess it would be, like, Jacoby Myers. Because, like, he's going to be the slot guy in between the 20s and not get a whole lot of usage in the red zone. But I really don't want any of their receivers. So, our lists are absolutely identical. Damian Harris is my first player <laughs> off the board. Ramondre Stevenson is my sleeper. And he's the guy that I've been kind of having as a sleeper. Uh, pretty much all throughout the offseason there. I, I just like what his potential can be. And, yeah, I probably would have said the whole <laughs> Patriots passing game. I singled out Jacoby Myers. Sorry, Jacoby. Uh, but, I mean, just the fact that, you know, the two touchdowns, maybe he gets more, but I don't think it's significantly more. I just don't see this being an offense that puts up a lot of points this year, and that's going to impact everybody. Uh, I also, by the way, was was shocked to be reminded that Damian Harris ran for 15 touchdowns last year. I somehow didn't remember yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's going to be hard to duplicate. It's going to be hard to duplicate. <laughs> I just don't see this being a high-powered offense, and that's going to make it hard to really count on anybody uh, there for fantasy. So, uh, All right, so we go from New England down to Miami. The Dolphins last year were 9-8, and eight, just missed the playoffs. Uh, Tua Tungavailoa, your passing leader, 2,653 yards, 16 touchdowns, 10 picks. That made him the QB 24. 
Miles Gaskin, your rushing leader, 612 <laughs> yards with three rushing touchdowns, RB24. Fun fact, I went back and looked. I was like, when is the last time the Dolphins had like a decent running game? Um, the last time they had somebody run for more than 1,000 yards was 2016, Jay Ajayi. Yikes. <laughs> like 1,200 yards. He had 1,200 yards, I think, in a season. I, I tried to remember who the running backs were in recent years, and the only name outside of like sent before the Ryan Fitzpatrick year that I could mm-hmm. remember was Arian Foster. Yeah, but the, <laughs> yeah, I mean, because that was like the end of his career, basically. But the Jay Ajayi, the last... Dolphins runner to get more than a thousand yards. That was 2016. It's been a minute. Um, in fact, I think he was the only one in that stretch to get even more than like 800 yards. I think everybody else was like under 800 yards. In that, I, that Fitzpatrick year, he led them he led like 230 was, rushing yards. That was disgusting. I think that was also the year I think I rostered Patrick Laird because I was really hurting for a running back at the end of the season. Spoiler alert: I did not make the playoffs. Uh, your receiving leader in Miami last year, Jalen Waddle, uh, 104 catches, 1,015 yards, six, six receiving touchdowns, wide receiver 13. All right. Everything around this offense, I feel like, starts and ends with Tua Tonga-Vailoa. Tyreek Hill having, having you know, interviews where he's saying Tua is great, comparing it to Patrick Mahomes, and the rest of fantasy Twitter is saying, like, boo, boo, tomato, <laughs> tomato, tomato. Uh, but really trying to pump up his guy. The Dolphins sending out Twitter videos of Tua throwing deep passes down the field, like trying to convince us that things are turning around. So, can Tua be a QB1 this year? Easily. Like, I'm, I'm in on Tua right. Tungavailoa. He is one of my guys this year. Um, the, the narrative that he can't throw a deep ball is so ridiculous to me. <laughs> it, it, first of all, he was top four in completion percentage uh, of passes of 20 plus air yards last year and in yards per attempt in in those passes as well which are two of the stats that really determine if you are a good long ball thrower or not to me the narrative comes from the fact that i believe in his nfl career it's less than 50 downfield pass attempts like it, it was just a product of the offense and we saw that last year like jalen waddle he was getting used like, it's like you say, you always saw the line of scrimmage uh, and, and like the yard marker on the screen when he was catching balls. Like that's how the offense was designed. My philosophy is always like, don't assume a player can't do something if he's never been asked to do it. Mm. Um, and Tua never has been asked to do it. And in college, he was one of the best deep ball throwers as well. So with all of this talent around him, I think Tua is going to have a big year and he is my favorite backup quarterback that I like to draft in fantasy. The thing I keep coming back to is the way America was introduced to Tua Tungavailoa, him throwing a deep ball to Devontae Smith to win a national championship, coming in in the second half of that game after Jalen Hurts was benched, and Tua just slinging a deep ball down the field, and the, the Crimson Tide win a national title on that. So he can throw the deep ball. He hasn't so far in yeah. Miami. Now he's got, he's got plenty of options, right? He's got Tyreek Hill. He's got Jalen Waddle. He has the personnel to go and stretch the field this year. And this is something he did in college regularly. Uh, he just hasn't. I have been a Tua backer this whole time. Um, I will say his ceiling is probably a fringe QB1. I think I think more likely you're probably safer drafting him, as you mentioned, as a yeah. backup quarterback. But if he puts it together, I think he can, you know, he can knock on the door of being a QB1 this year. Uh, I know Dolphin fans are sort of hoping for it. Our guy, our guy Troy King, I know is, uh, <laughs> is, is begging for Tua to be a QB1. Uh, I think there's a road where that can happen, but I think I'd still feel safer drafting him as a second quarterback. Uh, the other part of this team that's very confusing right now is the running back situation. Mm-hmm. They hire Mike McDaniel as their head coach. 
They bring in Raheem Mostert. They've got Chase Edmonds. They still have Miles Gaskin. I think as of this moment, I think Savan Ahmed might still be there. There's a lot of guys in that backfield. How are you approaching this in drafts? So for the most part, like I'm not going into any drafts being like, I need this Dolphins running back. For the, a lot of it though is Chase Edmonds is going outside the top 30 running backs in a lot of drafts. He's going as an RB3 that you can get in like the eighth, ninth round, something like that. Sometimes even later. And for me, I think he's worth taking a shot on because he's going to be the pass catcher there, I believe. Uh, and of all the running backs they brought in, you can add up all the other guys' salaries combined and it doesn't equal what they gave Chase Edmonds. Mm-hmm. So I think that's telling that and he was the first one they brought in. Um, so Edmonds as like an RB3, I think has a lot of upside there. And then as like a late round dart throw, give me Raheem Mostert. Like this is a guy who we know he is very explosive. We know the speed and the burst that he possesses. And then he already knows this system with, with Mike McDaniel coming uh, over from San Francisco. I don't think he'll be the workhorse back, but I do think he'll be the back that gets like eight to 10 touches a game and it's just their home run hitter. So as like a, you know, a very late round pick, I think that's worth investing, especially this is everyone's favorite saying this time of year, especially in best ball though, because that guy's a home run hitter. Which I always hate saying that because it feels like a cop out, but sometimes it really fits like, especially in best ball. He's a home run hitter. Uh, Yeah, I think, I think you sort of nailed it though, because the good news about the Dolphins backfield is that there's no one there that you have to invest a lot of draft capital in. You're not ha- you're not reaching to get Chase Edmonds or Raheem Mostert. Um, look, I mean, there's a very good chance that you know maybe a Miles Gaskin isn't even on that roster when Week One rolls around. We'll see how that works out. So that's at least the comforting part of this. And if McDaniel can get that running game going the way the Niners had it going, you're going to find somebody there that's fairly productive that you can use maybe as a flex player more often than that. So I think that's that's sort of the way to look at this. I don't I think you're right. I don't think there's anybody that you're specifically targeting. Nobody's going into this draft saying like I got to get Raheem Mostert, <laughs> but um but I do think there's potential value there if these guys can perform up to uh, up to their expectation. So, first player, sleeper, player to avoid. So, my first player drafted, I think it's kind of obvious. I think it's Tyreek Hill. Even though I'm not targeting Tyreek Hill in my drafts, I, I still have him ranked the highest of all the Dolphins receivers. Uh, I still think he's like a borderline wide receiver one. Um, my concern with him, though, is just volume in, in this passing attack. So, that's why I'm not really targeting him. The sleeper, it's the two players that I've already, Chase Edmonds and my biggest sleepers, Tua. I think Tua can have a great breakout year. This is the spicy one though, Marcus. Okay. Player to avoid, I'm not touching Jalen Waddle this year. Ooh. Like Jalen Waddle last year was awesome. I had him as a wide receiver one before they made the Tyreek Hill trade, but Jalen Waddle was so awesome in part because he was getting a ton of volume. And I don't, like he broke the rookie record for receptions. I don't know if he's gonna be able to duplicate the volume he had last year because they paid Tyreek Hill a lot of money. They gave up a lot of assets to get him. They're gonna easily be, he's gonna be the top target there. Mike Gusecki might still have a role. Like there's just a lot of, who knows how much they're gonna run the ball. There's a lot of question marks with this team. And people are still taking both of the receivers like top 15 guys to me i'm like you guys could have the receivers i'll get all the production baked in on tua and i'll just be happy with it i think people are you know people see the talent between hill and waddle and i think that's where they're drafting them and not necessarily thinking about the fact that you're right the passing volume this isn't like kansas city right where where you knew you knew patrick mahomes could sustain multiple receivers multiple pass catchers we're not sure as much as we may be optimistic about tua 
we're not sure that that can happen just yet. So I, I totally get that. Uh, Tyreek Hill for me is obviously the first guy off the board. Um, I mean, he's going to be a, is he still a first round pick or is he a second round guy? Now? I, I wouldn't take him in the first round. I don't see him go often in the first. I don't think so either. I think he's kind of more of a second round guy this year. Uh, <clears throat> my sleeper, you mentioned it, is Raheem Mostert. Uh, just because, again, you're getting him really, really late. He's got home run potential and his issue in his career has just been staying healthy. Yeah. If he can stay healthy and stay on the field, I think he has the potential to really be a difference maker. And again, you're not you're not investing a lot in draft capital to get Raheem Mostert. So uh, if he can stay healthy, that upside is obviously there for him. My player to avoid is Mike Gasicki. And Gasicki to me has sort of become, he's kind of that that poster child for like the middle of the road kind of meh tight ends. <laughs> um, you know, and like, I always say like, avoid Mike Gesicki. And I always know I get to a draft and I'm in like the 10th round and like the clock's running out and I panic. I'm like, ah, Mike Gesicki. And then I hate myself for it for weeks after. But the reason I, I would try to avoid him, it's not because I think he's bad or going to be bad, but I think we've sort of seen what he can be. And that was in years without Tyreek Hill mm-hmm. taking away those targets. Now we just know that he's sort of a middle of the road tight end. And I think if I'm, if I'm missing out on the top end tight ends, uh, I don't know that I want a Mike Gesicki to fill that spot. I would much rather wait and go after like an Albert O, Agreed. an Irv Smith, one of those guys a little bit later that I think has big upside, um, that I think can can maybe hit a bit of a higher ceiling than just kind of watching you know Mike Gesicki sort of be oatmeal. I, I think Mike like I think it's in the range of outcomes for Gesicki where like he's not even fantasy relevant. Because I, I could see he always operated out of the slot. Mm-hmm. Their top two receivers operate out of the slot. Are they going to use the tight end to block in this system? Which you know the 49ers did a lot. Mm-hmm. He's not the blocking tight end. Right. Like, he could just be like a third down type of tight end, and that would not have any fantasy relevance. That would be no bueno. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, no. So I, I am. I think I'm. I'm, a, I'm away from Mike Gesicki just because I think you know there are other guys that offer more upside. Uh, than he does at this point in his career. All right, so that gets us to our final team in the AFC East. That is the New York Jets, 4-13 and in 2021. Zach Wilson was your passing leader. Uh, 2,334 yards, 9 touchdowns, 11 picks. He was the QB 29. Michael Carter, your rushing leader, 639 yards, 4 rushing touchdowns, RB 28. And Elijah Moore, your receiving leader, 43 catches, 538 yards, 5 receiving touchdowns, wide receiver, 48. So it was a youth movement, uh, without a doubt, in New York last year. And they're still adding pieces. They went out, they drafted Brees Hall, they drafted Garrett Wilson, um, which by the way, I don't know, I'm sure somebody in research can find this out for us. When is the last time a team had three rookie category leaders, passing, rushing, and receiving? That's what happened with the Jets last year with Wilson, Carter, and Moore. Uh, I would think at some point it's probably happened, but I don't know when. And that's a thing that it would be you know, kind of interesting to, to take a look at. So I mentioned Brees Hall is coming in. He is a fantasy Twitter darling right now. But that does make Michael Carter kind of a, a second fiddle there in New York. What are we doing with him in drafts this year? I think we should be drafting him. Like Michael Carter is someone that I feel pretty pretty good about because he's going – late in drafts like he's not even a top 40 running back off the board and then every jet reporter right now is saying he is still going to have a role uh like it could be like a 60 40 split and i've been seeing a lot of hype about michael carter coming out of jets camp 
And I think he gets over, like, everyone loves Javante Williams, right? <laughs> Michael Carter on a per-touch basis was, like, just as good as at, like, forcing missed tackles and stuff as Javante Williams. He might not have the same explosiveness, but he's not far behind. And if anything was to happen to Brees Hall, I think Michael Carter's upside is a being an RB1 if, if he's, like, dominating touches in that backfield. So uh, if you either take like a zero RB approach or maybe you get like you're starting RBs early and then you start loading up on other positions. I think Michael Carter is a great like bench running back to have on your fantasy team. So then are we overdrafting Brees Hall? See, I don't think we are because he's going like <laughs> RB like 19, something like that. And I think he has RB1 potential as well because he is just amazingly good. I think I do like Michael Carter. I was a little bit frustrated when they drafted Brees Hall because I wanted to see what he could do with a slightly larger role, but that's not going to happen now. And I think, you know, I do think it's going to be a 60-40 split probably there. So uh, I do like Carter. Um, we just have to figure out what the role is going to be. And, you know, so much of this is how much does Zach Wilson get better this yeah. year? You know, if, if Zach Wilson doesn't get much better, um, then I don't know that none of this matters. <laughs> oh, yeah. God, if the offense doesn't move the football. But it does bring me to the question of the wide receivers. Elijah Moore was a guy that everybody liked last year and flashed at times. They bring in Garrett Wilson from Ohio State. Um, between the two of them, who you got this year? So I have Elijah Moore ranked higher, but the one that I would more likely to draft is Garrett Wilson because I don't, there's like a five round gap between where these players are going and that just seems entirely too high to me. I understand Elijah Moore played really well. He had like a six, seven week stretch where he was a, a wide receiver one. And we always tend, everyone liked him coming into last year, like you said. So we tend to be like, look, we thought this guy was great. He's great. He's the unquestioned wide receiver one here. It's like, well, they knew how good he was. And they still use a top 10 pick to get another guy in Garrett Wilson, who I think is going to get a lot of volume right away. So if you're going to give me a huge discount, I'm going to take the guy that's just going way later because I think they'll be pretty close at the end of the year. I think that's that's the argument for Wilson, right? Is that like, and we see this every year in fantasy. Like you have two guys who you think their production is going to be similar, but one has a way lower ADP. That's always the guy I'm going to draft in that yep. situation. If, if I think the numbers are going to be close, I'm going to take the guy that I can wait a handful of rounds on. And right now, that very much is... Garrett Wilson in this one. And I'm a guy who liked Elijah Moore. Um, Same. But but I think Garrett Wilson's sort of the guy. But I go back to, if Zach Wilson doesn't get much better, then it, it doesn't really matter at all. Nope. <laughs> so, uh, all right, so let's finish this out then. First player drafted, sleeper, and player to avoid. First player drafted is Brees Hall. Mm -hmm. he, he's going in like the fourth round, and I, I think that's really appropriate for him. I, I think, I love that you get him as an RB2, but I think his upside is being an RB1. Uh, sleeper? This might sound dirty to some. Give me Zach Wilson. I think Ooh. Zach Wilson, like I spent in the offseason some time watching Zach Wilson play last year. And my takeaway was like, there's nothing on a football field this kid can't do. Like every single throw, he has all the arm talent in the world. It's just he made a lot of really bad decisions. Will <laughs> will that get fixed? I don't know. But you only you gotta draft him outside the top 20 quarterbacks to find out. So I I love if like I have a Proven quarterback one, like a Josh Allen, Mahomes, any of those guys. I'll take Zach Wilson as my quarterback too, because I think the upside is that high that if he hits, people are going to want Zach Wilson. I'll have a trade asset or something like that. Player to avoid is really hard because none of the Jets are priced high right. at all. Mm -hmm. uh, like I like Moore and Wilson and both running backs and, and Zach Wilson. So I guess Corey Davis, the tight ends, <laughs> like I won't take any of those guys, but I think the rest of the Jets are 
appropriate, appropriately priced and worth drafting. All right. Well, my uh, my my first player off the board, no surprise. It is it's going to be Brees Hall. Um, I think yeah, he's the guy everybody loves. He's the new shiny thing in the offense. I think he gets plenty of touches, so he's the guy who goes first. For me, my sleeper, and this is maybe a, a deeper one, but. I think Braxton Berrios is just going to be a guy who just kind of hangs around, right? He's that nice security blanket, can get open in the middle of the field uh, whenever they need somebody to make some plays. Um, you know, and I think I think part of getting Zach Wilson to make better, smarter decisions is giving him some easy targets. And I think that's what Berrios can be. So if you see him sort of take that uh, that step forward, that's the reason. But me saying that, I'm still avoiding Zach Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying all that. Uh, just because there's still there's still so much more I want to see him do, yeah. so much improvement I want to see from him uh, that right now, and because he is going so late, it's like I can I can just easily pivot to a different direction that late in the draft and not really feel like I'm missing out on anything. Maybe he makes the leap, and maybe he looks great. In I, the case, I I look silly, but I'll take that chance. I don't know if this is a hot take or not. I'll take Zach Wilson over Mac Jones. Ooh. And I think I think it's realistically possible the Patriots could finish in last place this year. I think I think when you look at just so. athletic profile <laughs> and stuff, um, I don't think that's crazy. Because Zach Wilson can run, he's got a cannon of it. Like the the floor is much, much safer with mm-hmm. Mac Jones, but when I'm taking a quarterback two, I want upside. Right. So I'm gonna go with the guy that I think has a lot of upside, whereas I I mean I know the floor is he could just be awful and like <laughs> but I'll I'll just cause then I'll just drop him and pick up like, I don't know. Whoever's the quarterback on the waiver wire, Matt right. Ryan, someone like that. Right. Does it worry you at all that um, Joe Flacco is getting some run in, in Jets camp? Apparently, he threw two interceptions yesterday. Okay, so I, I don't know then. what we're doing with Joe Flacco. Like, at this point, like, I, I, he's a veteran leader to a young quarterback, and that's all he should be. I mean, that's kind of where he is right now. But is he still Have elite? you ever seen an elite quarterback spend this many years as a backup? Still, is he still elite? That's the question. <laughs> is Joe Flacco still elite? I guess we're going to find out uh, before before training camp is over. So, uh, All right, so there you go. There is our preview of the AFC East. Uh, we will be back with you on Wednesday. We will preview the AFC North. Uh, a lot going on in that division, so we'll be talking about that. But, uh, hey, we got, we got our first show and our new digs out of the way um it looks great yeah it's awesome yeah you guys will see it once we start doing video shows you can actually see what this thing looks like uh it's been a long time coming and uh thanks to everybody who helped put this thing together uh well, hopefully we'll do some fun things in there uh so far all year long so anyway that will do it for this edition of the nfl fantasy football podcast stay happy safe and healthy do good and live well take care of yourselves take care of others and we will see you on wednesday You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. 
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Good sleep should come naturally. And with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store.